My light bulb moment this week, I think, really has to do with the 2 to 10 Leadership Conference, our 13th year, uh, which we wrapped up last Tuesday, uh, actually last Wednesday, because we had a local uh, tour of some Atlanta-based salons. And it was a great 2 to 10. It was our 13th anniversary. Uh, We had wonderful collaboration or conversation starters. Remember, 2 to 10 is primarily driven by peer-related content. And we have conversation starters that really stimulate new ideas, practices, et cetera. And I went from room to room, and I was super impressed by this year's uh, conversation starters and the wide range of topics that were covered. And I could just see the light bulb moments going off throughout the entire two days. And our team did a great job um, you know, with this conference. And I also want to thank our sponsors and especially thank those that attended. Uh, We also had a workshop on the Sunday before 2 to 10. It was an exit workshop on succession planning. We had a great turnout for that, and I got to lead that workshop. Uh, We had about 40 people, and it really was for those that are looking at possibly going from their business, literally selling their business, but also the majority of the room was individuals, owners, uh, current owners and future owners, being proactive on what their career looks like. And in many cases, it's an owner just wanting some strategies, plans, et cetera, to to let go. Uh, So that was a thrill to do it. So anyway, it was a great um, Atlanta three days and probably a lot more that I could say about that, but I want to get to our guest pretty quick here. So I'm going to move on. And so uh, with this, I would like to invite to the mic and uh, invite to the camera, uh, Megan Murray. Good morning, Megan. How are you? Hi, Tom. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Your background uh, was posted. Your title and your background was posted on the invite. But let me just summarize that just for a moment. So you are Senior Director of Field Operations at Ulta Beauty. Um, You're a multi-unit management professional, uh, have worked with some of the largest and most innovative retail organizations, including Target and JCPenney, Um, and you have a 15-year executive career trajectory building and managing multi-million dollar enterprise-wide programs with significant impact on tactical expansion Salon, store level, and national sales improvement, PL management, et cetera, et cetera. But it's the next part that I love, and that is Megan has a love for the beauty industry and is known for infusing her work with energy, passion, and competitive. I'm going to come to the competitive in a little bit, competitive edge. Um, as I mentioned, you did work at JCPenney and Target, and you have a master's in marketing, a BA in, a BA in communications from the University of Alabama, where you played volleyball. Roll time. Um, and we find you down in Florida. And I uh, was not lost on me that I uh, saw some trick or treat pictures yesterday with your um, your adorable children and your husband. So did you have a good Halloween? We did. We had a great Halloween. You know, I, I feel a little bad sometimes when I post the pictures um, of us having Halloween and in Florida, because it seems like every all my friends up north were posting pictures and lots of coats and even some snow happened yesterday. But yes, we had a great time. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for being my guest. I've been wanting to get you as a guest for a long time. And we've gotten to know each other through the Beauty Changes Lives board. And I certainly have seen your energy and passion. And, you know, you're not afraid to roll up your sleeves. And, um, you know, and you were a big part of the gala this year, pulling it off with the team. And I've been super impressed with your involvement on the board. And it's been a delight to get to know you. And finally, we get a chance to have you as a guest on Lightbulb Moments. I'm excited about it. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, being a part of Beauty Changes Lives and getting to know people like you and the other board members has definitely been a blessing for sure the last year and a half. So you have a big job and, you know, a lot of those that are watching this live or listening to the or watching the YouTube recording or the podcast you know, they're, they're salon owners and managers, and maybe they have a headcount of five people, 10 people, 100 people, but you have 7,000 hairstylists report to you. Is that correct? I'm sorry. It's a dotted line. Right? Yeah, you corrected yourself before I could correct you. Yes. I've got a team of 100-ish that support across the country, and they support our 7,000 hairstylists. We also have skin therapist and makeup artist and um, our arch experts in our benefit boutique are also licensed estheticians. Now, I have some familiarity with the Ulta model uh, because I did a project for Ulta. It was been some time. I was actually down at the Chicago area headquarters and, you know, got to know the executive team at the time and all that. So I am somewhat familiar and but many are not familiar with the Ulta model and, and maybe just see Ulta as a big box retailer. But uh, Ulta is a salon company um, with licensed professionals, uh, over 7000 licensed professionals. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you a very direct question. OK. And um, so I remember back before I you know set foot into an Ulta, I had this I had this sort of mindset that it was sort of a phantom salon. And I'm sure that could create a strong reaction to you. But um, how would you respond to those that say Ulta is really a big box retailer? And oh, by the way, they have salons and they're doing it. Yeah. So how would you respond to that? Well, I'm sure you you wouldn't be surprised to hear it's not the first time that it's been asked. Um, I would re- I would respond with, well, a stat that you just you just brought up. We have seven seven thousand hairstylists across the country. So obviously it's not a phantom salon and we've got individuals who have built their livelihood, their careers with us um, anywhere from right out of school to 20 plus years with us. And, and even have a hairstylist last year that did over $300,000 buying a chair with us. So um, definitely not a phantom salon. And we pride ourselves on being yes we are a retailer but we are all things beauty not to i mean this is not to be too corporate but our one of our sayings all things beauty all in one place that we we used to say back in the day and truly that's what it is um we like to tell our hairstylists that you've got the largest waiting room in the industry right here in our in our footprint and you know beauty enthusiasts are walking through the door you don't have to go very far to find somebody that loves beauty so part of your recruiting strategy is that you have the largest waiting room. Unpack that Unpack that a little bit more. What do you mean by that, the largest waiting room? Well, you got you to gotta think, right? Like people who come into an Ulta Beauty, they, they're coming because they are already interested in some form of beauty. And so for our hairstylist that maybe had a cancellation or didn't have anybody on the books for the day, 
um, for them to be able to find somebody that's interested in a service is much easier than I would say anywhere else in, in the industry. Um, so when we say the largest waiting room, that's what we mean. It's, it's, there's this opportunity to just capitalize on the people that are stepping foot in the door um, to help our stylists build their books too. So in a sense, and I'll use this term and I'm, I'm sure that you wouldn't use it at Ulta, but you know what I mean? There's the front and the back of the house. And so a big part of your model has to be the cohesiveness between the front of the house and the back of the house. Back of the house being the salon services, front of the house would be retail and some of the other areas that are retail that might have counters, et cetera. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, here we say front of the house, back of the house, and quite literally too, if you've been in Ulta, many of our locations have the salon towards the back of, of the building. Um, we have newer newer versions where it's right smack in the middle um, or in different areas, but majority of them have it in the back of, back of the building. But when you talk about the unity between the two, front of the house, back of the house, using using your term, not not our terms, but um, it's imperative is that it's a family and it's a community and it's not the salon and then everybody else um, that they're really working together and. They understand what everyone's going after. And I'll, and I'll tell you what the secret sauce can be is when we've got an associate on the floor who we'll just call them a selling associate, right? Like a beauty advisor on the floor who knows that one of our stylists had a cancellation for three o'clock. And so somebody's looking at different hair products and they say, hey, you, you want to go get a consultation with stylist? you know, Susie Q and, and potentially help them also build their book. And then like vice versa, our salon guest is our best guest. So somebody who's coming in every six, eight, 10 weeks to get their hair done, they're, but they're shopping, you know, they're spending quite a bit of money on retail. And so it's a secret sauce to have that unity and that camaraderie um, amongst everybody in the store. I know one of the areas that you're very involved with is the education team. And I think you use the number of somewhere along the lines of maybe a hundred different members of the educate. Talk about your education. Yeah. So my, my direct peer, Anna, she leads our education team and we've got just under a hundred educators across the country who I believe last year alone did over, or this year they'll do like 5,000 classes. Um, like an crazy number of classes that they're continuing to enhance and and bring excitement into our education. Our our stylists get paid to go to education. It's they're they're not paying for it. We pay them while they're there. And we want them to be the best of the best. We want them to continue to feel that we're pouring into them. And um our education is created by a wonderful team at our office who has been in the industry for a very long time and they use our resources like um, like our pro team. We launched we launched an Ulta Beauty pro team, I would say five years ago, where different leaders in the industry um, with with that are brand affiliates, um, like a Sonia Dove and a Danielle Kiesling, that that we tap into them too to tell us like, hey, here's what our education is. What feedback do you have, and what would you do different? And we want to make sure that we're staying you know, top, top of the top when it comes to education. And it's definitely one of the benefits that, um, that we provide. 
So you, you're always hiring like everybody is. And I think you, I think you said last month you hired about a hundred people. Is that right? And maybe in a quarter, about 400 people. How are you finding people? Oh, I would say the biggest place is, is word of mouth. Um, and when you, when you get somebody who, who, heard about us from another hairstylist and then they join and then they tell their friends and then they join that that is our number one our our team also goes out and talks to different individuals um whether it's at beauty shows or just a little bit more organic um at schools if it's if they're meeting I'm not even kidding Tom like just meeting somebody at a restaurant that has great mm. hair and talking to them about where they where they got the hair done and getting a name and just telling them what we have to offer. There's not one secret sauce on where we're finding people. Um our team has done a really nice job of communicating what we have to offer. So whether that's in our partners with Modern Salon or Salon Evo or like in, in the pubs to really support us um and just sharing what benefits we we offer and then the benefits really speak for themselves and that's what's getting us getting us individuals to come on board but I'll tell you it's it's getting them to come on board and then helping them make money quickly so that we retain them I think that's probably an opportunity across the industry too is we want we all want to keep them in our salons right like any any salon owner or um larger you know chain salon like they they want to keep their people here, but we also want to keep them in the industry. So it's it's just getting them in, helping them be successful so that they're making lucrative careers and and they they love going to their salon every day. You've got a huge you you definitely have a lot of advantages. One example is in benefits. Can you just just kind of an overview of the type of benefits you provide members of your stylist team? Yeah. So um in the very literal sense, right? Like we yeah. offer offer the typical dental medical for full-time associates 401k you know we don't talk enough about it and then additionally we offer um like a performance bonus that if you come on board and and how much volume you bring with you those first 13 weeks of you starting will give you a bonus right at the beginning um so that's definitely a benefit i talked about Education being a benefit, um, which I would say is our our top benefit. Um, and then there's there's the others that it's the largest waiting room, like I said, right? When you have a call off, you can easily fill that fill that that time in your in your business. Um, we've got we provide everything that our stylists need from a tool perspective, from a product perspective. So when you when you add it all up, um, it definitely adds up to quite a bit of volume. You know, we we had a brief discussion in terms of the um, migratory na uh, nature of the industry, and um, uh, but we we you know we also talked about the um, uh, your comp plan a little bit, and and I want to get to that in a moment. But uh, back to the benefits for a moment. At what? It, it, uh, how many hours uh, are required for someone to be el eligible for benefits? It is full times at 35 hours. 35. And you're finding numbers very similar to our previous compensation studies in terms of hours worked. 
Is it fair to say that the average licensed licensed stylist is working maybe 24 to 28 hours in Ulta? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I don't have the the specific data, but I would I would bet my last dollar that it would be around 25 hours. And your compensation plan. So you mentioned that it can go up to 70%. And um, uh, talk about just your comp, whatever you're comfortable sharing with your compensation. Yeah, it's out there. Listen, um, yeah. we offer anywhere between there's, there's, we start at 42% and we go up to 70% um, commission. So, and it ranges based on what's really cool about it is we have three titles, Silas, Master, and Elite. And the titles are based on the education. Okay, the titles are not based on volume, they're based mm. on they're based on education. And so when it comes to earning potential, the commission rate is the same for everybody because it's based on how much volume you bring in that week. So if you're bringing in 0 to $999, you're at that 42% commission. If you're bringing in $3,000 that week, $3,001, you're at that 70% commission. Wow. And that's, that's before tips. So, you know, our individuals who are, are, we've got this year, we'll, we'll have around 700 stylists. I would, I would guess we're on track to hit 700 stylists. That'll bring in over a hundred thousand dollars. Um, in, and that's before tips. Gross revenue or W2? Um, Uh, gross. That's, okay. a, that's a gross number. They'll hit, they'll hit gross at a, at least a hundred K, but then with tips. So, um, so doing a little math here, you could make some significant money here. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. I'm going to ask you this question. And so how would you reply to those that say cosmetology has poverty level earnings, what is your first reaction to that? Oh, my first reaction, probably an inappropriate reaction, Tom, I'll be honest. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to be appropriate, but I, it's just, it's just not factual. Um, it, so even, it's, it's not the truth. Yeah. And, you know? You know, from somebody that zoomed out, and maybe somebody that's no familiar with Ulta, they're going to make some assumptions that it's going to feel, you know, it's a chain and it's going to attract a certain level of people. It's going to be a lower price point. And, you know, when I'm doing the math, it, it sounds to me like, um, you know, we did a study of, you know, one to 10 locations and we're undertaking a chain study, which, which we're all aware of here. But, um, uh, you know, in an Ulta, uh, there's some significant W-2 earners there. And, and it doesn't sound like they're the outliers because if you have this kind of volume and that type of compensation plan, you could make a lot of money there. So, and have education and benefits. So, so it, it's, it's, it's very attractive. And I, and I want to really keep this centered on, this is, this is not about, you know, uh, those listening in today, trying to, compete with Alta. This is really about attracting people into the industry, you know? Absolutely. And, um, you know, when I heard some of these numbers yesterday, like someone bringing in over 300,000, I'm like, wow. Yeah. So yeah. 
Now, um, so, but you know, there, there's pain points. We all have pain points and uh, it's a rich compensation. It, it can be a very rich compensation plan, great education, um, world-class benefits. Uh, and, uh, but you know, human capital is, is a challenge. And if you're bringing in a hundred people in a month, you know, you're going to have some attrition. So what are your biggest pain points? Is it, it sounds like it's more keeping members of the team. Is that right? Yeah, I would say um, it goes twofold. You know, the past couple of years, we've talked, we talked a lot about, you know, coming out of the pandemic around recruiting the right stylist, that it's a, it's the right fit for um, Ulta Beauty. And, and we talked a lot about net, like networking and recruiting. And we really switched that, the like the pendulum to, yes, we need to continue to network and recruit, right? It grows, it grows anyone's business to add more stylists. Um, however, there's been this shift in we really need to retain. And and like I said earlier, retain to to Ulta Beauty, but also just retain to the industry. And we started seeing within the first year of a stylist joining, like if we could get them to that year mark, that two-year mark, like they were continuing to make more money. They we're finding their groove, but it's the, it's the quick turnover time I would say is the biggest opportunity is, is people who join um, and they give it like a short chance and then move on to the next. And, and I even hope that they move on to the next salon anywhere else. Um, But what we're also finding is they're moving on to the next total career change. Um, And so we are laser focused on figuring out how do we help a stylist, no matter where they are in their career, right? Like right out of beauty school, four years in, five years in, sold their salon and they want to come, they want to come work. I'm talking the full swing, right? How do we help them sooner, make money and, and just feel part of that unity and that camaraderie? Like, off the bat quicker so that they give the, they give the industry more of a chance. You know, I, um, you know, company like Alta, which is, um, you know, major, major company. And um, you, you, you have a face to the brand now, Nick. And I think that's really important is, you know, so you're not reporting to a fictitious you know, people you don't know or see. So having a face to the brand, I know in the past you had like an Adam Broderick and a Rodney Cutler and whatever, and Nick's been there quite some time. And uh, how important is it, do you think, to have a face like that with the brand? What's pretty incredible. And Tom, I don't know if you know this, um, I actually knew Nick at Penny's. He came to Ulta Beauty and um, he brought me on board at Ulta. So like speaking from experience, the man personally has changed my life. And so speaking to our stylist, it it's it's pretty incredible to have somebody that's leading all of Ulta Beauty operations, all of it. Not like salon operations, but retail operations too. He's leading all operations, started as a hairdresser. And he truly understands um 
what our entire team is going through. And I think, I think it's, it's like a unicorn. I think he's a problem. He's a unicorn on having somebody that is an SVP of Ulta Beauty Operations that has his own brand, has, you know, was behind the chair for so long. You know, he's a brand representative for Matrix. I mean, he's done it all. And you should just, you should see him when he walks into our stores. Like our stylist, they just light up and they want to pick his brain and, and, but on, on the vice versa, he picks their brain to make sure um, that he's still in touch with, with what's happening in the, in the box and in the salon. So it's, it's pretty fantastic, Tom, to be honest. So, so I wasn't aware that he leads the front of the house team too. Is that yes. right? Yeah. And is that new with, with him? Cause previously like a Rodney Cutler, or whatever, there was really more back of the house, correct? Right. So when Nick came on board, he, he came to Ulta as the creative director and then um, moved up to VP of salon operations and then moved up from there. Um, they, they, when he became an SVP, they combined his role um, with retail and salon operations. So it's kind of been, he's been with Ulta Beauty now, I would say a little over six years and every year um, his growth Right. Has expanded. I'm going to get to why Megan in a moment, but there's something you said. It's just I'm having a little bit of a de- delayed reaction to something. And this is I'm, I'm sort of going out of sequence here, but I'm going back to something you said. I just made this mental note from about five minutes ago in terms of your compensation and what you said. So pardon me if I zigzag here a little bit. Uh, the um, the level of the stylists, whether it's stylist, master, or elite, has nothing to do with sales volume. It's all about education. That's unique, isn't it? You know what we found? So I'll be real honest, this now probably five years ago before before we made this shift around five years ago, where the the title was based on volume. Um, but when when you got when you get a new title, your prices increase. And it was like that before. And so when you're speaking to a guest, like we really went through the shift of having transparent pricing um, so that our guest knows, like if you're one of these three titles, what the price is going to be. And what we were finding was that someone will get promoted and they would go to have the conversation with their guest and they're like, oh, okay, so why are your prices more? And the answer is like, well, I, I, I did a lot of volume behind the chair. We're now, for a guest, it makes sense, right? Why are your prices more now? I am I am more educated than I was before. Um, and so that's when we really made that shift. It does affect their compensation though, because that means a higher price point, which makes it easier. So I get it. Okay. All right. Um, now let's talk about Megan here a little bit and why Megan, because this is a big job and, um, why Megan? And I think you went through maybe your, your, your strength finder. So let's unpack that a little bit and uh, understand. And then ultimately, as we get, to, as we get towards the end here, I want to talk about a big light bulb moment in your career, which is really super inspiring. So tell us about why Megan. Oh, that's funny that I know we were talking about strength finders. Listen, I 
I am, there's a couple of things I pride myself on. One is what you see is what you get, what you get. And I, I 99.9% of the time am a positive, happy person. So, which I think is important as, as anyone that's wherever they are in their career, um, to have a positive outlook, like it just makes, it just makes work more fun. It makes life more fun to just think of things half full. So I would say that is, is definitely a strength. Um, and then you talked about it at the beginning, but I, I pride myself on this, on having a competitive edge and being competitive. Um, and it came from when I was little. I mean, I played, I, I think you mentioned I played, or I don't know if you did. I played volleyball in college. I grew up with two older brothers who were athletes, a dad that played professional soccer. And um, it was just like ingrained in me to to want to win, um, but have fun while doing it and bringing people along for the journey. I think the the third thing that anytime I'm interviewing anybody, and they're like, you know, there's the typical questions people ask when you're doing an interview, right? Like, what what does it take to be successful at Ulta Beauty? Or how did you get where you are today? And and my answers are always pretty similar where it's all about building relationships. And so um, keeping that competitive edge in, in check where it's not like competing against my peers or against my, you know, my coworkers anyway, it's like, we're on this journey together, but, um, building relationships, having some fun. And then, you know, like we're, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a business, I'm driving business. So I, I need to drive sales and I need to win, um, in order for the company to be successful. So I think that's probably my secret sauce. You mentioned the word woo too. Yes. So speaking of strength finders and, and many people have gone through strength finders at some point in their, in their journey or career, if not, there's a book, there's a quick overview. Um, it may even be free now online, but, um, my top, my top strengths are positive, competitive, um, and woo, which is interesting because woo is like, I don't like making people mad. Like I want, I want everyone around me to be happy. Um, and so that that one's interesting because back in the day, I would say it it I was a people pleaser. You know, I didn't I wanted to keep every, I, the kumbaya in the office or in my life. Um, whereas I've advanced in my career, I've had to learn how to be direct and be OK with a little bit of. You know, people being uncomfortable, but um it goes back to the positive and the building relationships. So you can be more direct when you've already when you're already those two things. You know, you're, you, you know, um, you're high EQ. Why don't we talk about a high EQ for what does that mean to you? High emotional um, uh, intelligence, essentially. Yeah. Um, any business owner or I, IQ is, is needed, right? It's needed. Um, you need to have intelligence in order to, to lead any sort of business. Um but it's the EQ that I think is real relates to um, building relationships and and reading other people and understanding where other people are. Um, and I, I think it's even more important than having um, a high IQ is just being self-aware, but also 
having the ability to to pulse check everyone else. Um, and when you need to pivot based on where everybody else is and in whatever the conversation might be about or what have you. But that's what I would say about IQ and EQ. With so many competing priorities and a large team, um, where do you spend your time? And literally where you spend your time. And then like, what is a typical, and you can say, oh, there's no typical, but what, you know, to the best that you can break it down, whether it's a week, a month, a quarter, give me an idea how you spend your time. And I think you mentioned it's in three different environments. It's either in, in your office, which is in Florida, um, at the corporate headquarters in Bolingbrook, Illinois, uh, and in the field, right? I mean, those are your three places where you work, but how does that break down from you? And how do you make decisions on where you work and how you spend your time and certain rituals you might have? Oh, I would say being planning and prioritizing is like the key to success. Um, and I live and breathe by my outlook calendar. I even send my husband outlook invites for things, um, even for the children. So, and, and I would say the fourth thing to that is, is being a mom of two, um, and spending time with my kids. So I live and breathe by planning and prioritizing. I would say being intentional too about, about priorities. And this is something I'm continuously working on is, is not letting the calendar, like, create my life that I create the calendar so that my life is a little bit more purposeful. Um, because if I just let it go and let the meetings come on and I wasn't, you know, scheduling out travel further in advance or, you know, work would still happen. It would still be filled. It would just not be filled with intent. Um, and so I go to our corporate office once a month. I think it is, it is very, um, imperative to the success of my role and my teams plays my team plays this middle this middle ground where we're a part of strategy but we're also part of execution and so i need to have a pulse check with my corporate partners um and then i need to be in stores i mean i can if i sit at this desk all day long and i try to make decisions i'm not making them the right way right i need to hear from the people in the stores um and in our salons and in order to make get their feedback in order to make any actual um impactful change. So I would say just planning it ahead of time. And then anytime I can do both. So like I can go to the corporate office, but then if I have a morning that's not booked yet, visit a couple of stores in Chicago or, um, you know, if we're going to PBA that I can visit stores while we're at PBA or fly really quickly. I'm flying to El Paso um, to visit some stores. So it's just being intentional and planning it far in advance so that I can control it and somebody else doesn't control it. So when you and I were having a prep call yesterday, we'll kind of get towards closing. It was like, you know, we were just wrapping up and you gave me the nugget of all nuggets and uh, a light bulb moment in your career. Let, let's, let's end with that. Okay. Tell us about a career light bulb moment. It was very inspiring. Well, in, in this, I had a moment where I, you know, I talked uh, and it fits with talking about competitive and positive, right. And being those two things where, um, I started my career at target corporation as like, I finished college and I, I thought I was going to do something totally different. I met somebody in retail and they were like, just try it out, try out, try out retail. Let's see if you like it. 
And I, I fell in love and I started to like, you know, work my way up and um, how Target works is you would interview for a promotion. And I knew I wanted to run my own store. You know, I was right out of school and I was in their management program. And this was the next step to get to do that. This was the next pay grade that got you to run your own store. And um, I did all the, all these interviews for it. And I was turned down to be honest with you. And it was a little gut wrenching. I was, I thought I was prepared. I thought, you know, I knew all my numbers. I knew everything to talk about and I was turned down and I didn't get a ton of feedback. I'll be honest, but I took, I just self-reflected and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show them. Like I put, then I think that's the competitive edge. I'm like, I'm going to pour into my store. I'm going to make sure that I've got the best numbers in the district and it was like eight or nine days later and the the man that made the decision not to promote me at the time visited my store. And if I would have been like a negative Nelly and ticked off and, you know, didn't, didn't go out, like say, I'm going to prove him wrong in the best possible way. Um, I wouldn't have had the visit I had with him eight days later. And he left that visit and he let me skip that pay grade level and gave me my own store. And it was one of those moments, Tom, where like, I honestly, if something bad happened, negative happens to me today, I think back to it because I'm like, no, that was one of the most, that was a light bulb moment for my life, like just in my life. And I reflect on it often to make sure that I'm still behaving that way today. And what's crazy is two years ago when we were preparing to launch Ulta Beauty Inside Target, that same leader mm. was leading all of operations at Target. And so we were on the same calls together at that time. So it totally went full circle. It was incredible. Wow. What a great story. I love it. Full circle. Seriously. And, uh, you know, instead of having animosity and uh, you just dug deeper, and I think it is a good, you know, packaging of your positivity and competitive spirit and channeled in the right direction. And uh, it's funny how life does come um, uh, full circle, right? Absolutely. Megan, you've been a great guest. We also would like to formally uh, welcome you to be a member of our Brain Trust, and you should be getting your million-dollar light bulb very soon. I love uh, it. So bravo. You're getting a lot of applause there. Thanks again, yeah. Megan. Thank a delight you. to spend time with you, and I'm sure we'll see you in a couple of weeks at the PBA Executive Summit. Absolutely. I'll see you there. All right. Thanks again for being a great guest. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I do want to thank some of our sponsors, which includes Lightheart Sanders. And I want to let you know that we are on next week and we look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, I hope you have some great light bulb moments in the next week and you take those light bulb moments and do something with them. So thanks again for joining us and we will see you very soon. Bye now.